If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. That's two kind of iconic movies that you're you're got a hand in here right back to back. Yeah, yeah, two big '80s franchises that I got to do. Like, would tell people like if I could tell my 14 year old self that I was going to be in <laughs> a Fletch movie and a Top Gun movie, my 14 year old self's head would have fallen off. <laughs> Hi, I'm John Hamm, and I'm very happy to be here. Hello, everybody, and yes, I'm here, so that means it's time for a brand new episode of Off the Beat. As always, I am your host, Brian Baumgartner. Today, you just heard, I am so excited to be interviewing another icon of the TV industry. You know him. You love him. We all know him. The amazing John Hamm. I mean, what can I say about John? He's hilarious. He's handsome, and he has truly had one of the most amazing careers in the game. You may know John from his iconic portrayal of the always dapper Don Draper, or maybe as Reverend Richard Wayne Gary Wayne in the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I mean, he's done it all. 
from teaching our very own Ellie Kemper in high school. That's right. There are people out there who got to have John Hamm as a high school drama teacher to his latest pursuit of playing the 1980s detective of his 14-year-old dreams. You know, I don't know why I'm building him up. You know who he is. I know you love him, as do I. So let's bring him on, shall we? The incredible John Hamm. Bubble and squeak, I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. What's up, John? There he is. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm I'm so well. It's so good to see you. It's been a long time. It has been a minute. It's been a minute. I think the last time, maybe not the last time, but uh, that I heard from you, you were you were looking through my house when I wasn't home. <laughs> yes, that sh- that should be explained. No, um, I don't. I think we can just leave it at that. Actually, all right, been fun, been fun. <laughs> no, I heard. I got home. I was like. Oh, John Han was through your house today. And I was like, well, did he go through my underwear drawer? Why was he, why was he in there? TBD. TBD. I see you have the, uh, is that the uh, Burroughs High School uh, shirt there? Yes, indeed. John Burroughs High School, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, home and uh, alma mater of myself and one Ellie Kemper, as you know. <laughs> That's right. So you, I want to talk about that in a second, but you, you grew up in St. Louis, right? Born and raised St. Louis, Missouri. Yes, indeed. Do you go back often? I wouldn't say often, especially obviously during the pandemic, it was difficult, but you know, a couple times a year for various functions and whatnots. And my sisters both have grown up kids. So now they're starting to have kids. So it's that kind of thing or an occasion or a a function. But other than that, it's, I just don't get back that much. Yeah. But you still root for the, uh, the sports teams. I know the blues. Yes, that very much. I do. I root for the teams. I'm excited for baseball season. This is all uh, happening, so it's exciting. It's all, it's all happening. Um, you didn't really get into acting until college, is that right? I mean, yeah, I wasn't a child actor or anything like that, but I did. You played Winnie the Pooh. I did. Yes, I did. Thank you very much. It was excellent. Uh, that was in first grade, and then okay. uh, I did do some act- acting throughout uh, high school, but it was more of a college thing. I got a scholarship to do it, which was very cool. I didn't have a lot of money, so that was a nice little way to augment my income or pay my bills. So yeah, so that that was at Mizzou. That was sort of the beginning of me being accepted as someone who could believably put a wig on and make people laugh or not. Is that what you like to do? Make people laugh when you started? Or did it not matter? I don't know. It kind of didn't matter. I really liked saying other people's words. I really liked plays and I really liked reading uh, things out loud. And I enjoyed the idea of interpreting people's words. And then like when it became sort of a profession, I was like, whoa, if you actually put some effort into this, this can be even more fun. Right. You went back to John Burroughs High School and you taught drama for a while. As you mentioned, you taught Ellie Kemper in school. Now, when you went back there to teach drama, did you think that was it for you? Or was that just a step? I was 24 years old. So I was pretty young still. And I was like, okay, this is like a job. 
and a job that I'm excited to do and I really wanted to do for various reasons, most of which had to do with the school that I went to, uh, as you can probably tell since I'm wearing a T-shirt and sitting in a chair that has the crest on it, <laughs> is pretty important to me in my life. And I was like, I, I really understood that this school gave a lot to me. Right. Therefore, I wanted to be able to give something back to it, which I have done in the course of my career as it has taken off. I've done a lot more. But at that point, I was like, well, what I can really do is actually go back and teach and try to download some of my vastly accrued knowledge at 24 right <laughs> to to these this next generation and it, you know i had some really great students ellie was one of them you know ellie even back when she was 15 years old and she was like a ninth grader was just a hard worker and a real not competitive but like achievement oriented spirit like so i was like oh you're going to be just fine like you're you're a good kid and you get it. And and she really liked acting and it was really fun for her. You could tell all of my kids that I had, except for the eighth graders were all like, they all chose to be in this class. So it was kind of like, well, if you didn't want to be here, you wouldn't have picked it. So, right. and it was improv and it was acting and it was scene study and it was all that stuff. And I did it for a year and it was really fulfilling and fun. And I very much enjoyed it, but no, it was, it was not a thing that I was like, Oh, this will be the rest of my life. I'm going to get married and have kids and I'm going to settle in St. Louis and live five minutes from where I grew up. And I was like, I think I want to try something else. Right. I have to go back on that for a second. You remember Ellie, like you remember her as a student. Yeah. And her sister Carrie too. Yeah, of course. Of I remember course. all my kids like for, for the most part, but yeah, no, I definitely remember Ellie. She was, she was just a really hardworking, diligent achievement oriented student. It was very, it was great. Like, honestly, as a teacher, you're like, those are the kids that you only want. Right. So when did you reconnect with her? Do you remember seeing her again or? Yes, I do. She, she went to college. That was five years later. I was out here in LA. I'd probably been working. I'm not sure if I was on Mad Men by that point, but she, I remember emailed me and said, I'm coming out. I went to this and I did this and I've been doing this UCB and blah, blah, blah. And I'm coming out and I'm doing my one person show at UCB theater. And I was like, Oh my God, that's awesome. That's like five minutes away from my house. I'd love to come see it. That sounds great. And so I did. And I came backstage after the show and I was like, you were really great. That was awesome. You know, it was, there were 20 people in the audience. Right. And she's like, oh, I'm so excited. I got an, I have an audition tomorrow for The Office. And I said, well, I think you're going to get it because you are perfect for that show. And this is like a perfect showcase for you. And the rest, as they say, is history. That is crazy. Suffice to say, I do remember when I saw her next. <laughs> you do remember her. I, I assume you were asked, I don't know if by her, how did it come to be that well, you played her captor then on Kimmy Schmidt years later. Did you keep in touch before then? <laughs> well, yeah, actually, we had done Bridesmaids together. Oh, um, right. So right, we course. had that sort of meeting again. And I remember being on the red carpet for that movie and looking over at Ellie. And she caught my eye and I was like, this is so weird. And we both kind of <laughs> laughed and, and I think we gave each other a hug. And I was just like, I can't believe you're, I'm like standing next to you on a red carpet at a major motion picture that we're both in. Right. That's going to be a huge hit we didn't know at the time, but going to be sort of a cultural 
touch point for yeah. for many people. But it was nice to to say the least. But yes, I had kept up with her, and obviously because I I knew a lot of you guys on the office too. So like people maybe don't know this, but like you know the the awards show kind of swirl, you know, had us in it for quite a few years, us being Madman and then also the office and 30 rock. And so we would see each other at a couple of occasions every, um, every year for quite a few years. So I would run into her at those things as well as you and BJ and Mindy and Tina and Robert Carlock and all the 30 rock gang. And, and that's when I did the stretch I did on 30 rock. Yeah. After 30 rock ended, that's when Tina and Robert said, Hey, we're, we're kicking around this idea. We really wanted to develop this thing for Ellie would you take a look at it? And would you consider it? And I was like, I don't know if I really want to be a go back right into series television. They're like, no, no, no. You're in like one episode a year. I was like, Oh, okay. That's <laughs> first of all, how dare you? Second of all, uh, <laughs> let's, let's, let's take, let's take a look at it. And they were like, well, let's let us come pitch it to you. And I was like, okay. Right. At that stage of it, it was a pilot. And the pilot was called Tooken, T-O-O-K-E-N. Okay. I was like, okay, what? What? And they're like, okay, you play a guy who kidnapped four women and kept them in an underground bunker. And like, and it was literally like, let me finish, but it's funny. <laughs> I was like, so I was like, I mean, I trust you guys, but I mean, really? Like a lot of weird stuff had just come out about people. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm not sure I find the funny in this. But then I read it and I was like, oh, it's really funny. And it's about the only way you get away with that is by playing this person as a complete and utter buffoon yeah, and totally out of the realm of believability. And it was really fun. I mean, playing that guy was so silly and so dumb, but so fun. Cause it was so like Robert Carlock who wrote the majority of the reverend stuff just got that dumb energy of like, it's, it's not even toxic masculinity. It's just stupid masculinity. <laughs> it was really fun to do. And yeah, I mean, it went for forever. And we got to do that really fun Netflix choose your own adventure kind of thing. And yeah. It was really great. I was really, really pleased with how it grew and how it ended and how it developed Titus's character and Carol Kane's character. Like it was just like the best of shows, like your show. It became like watching a family grow and like, you watch the characters kind of go through their own stuff and you watch them figure their own stuff out. And by the end of it, they're better. Yeah. Well said. So let's go back. You're teaching at John Burroughs. When did you make the decision that you needed to go to LA? I remember they had asked me to consider doing another year at the school. Um, And I was like, well, I don't know guys. Like, I think I want to try to see what, can happen with this. And I just remember having this thought of like, well, I'm getting kind of old. <laughs> 24. 24, right. Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting a little long in the tooth. <laughs> Which, by the way, nowadays is actually true. Like, if you're not famous by 14 on right. TikTok, give it up. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't. Please yes. don't. And also, don't get famous on TikTok. Yeah. But I, was, I just had a sense of like, well, if not now, when... And I could definitely see inertia settling in if I didn't at least try. Right. And I remember one of my acting teachers a long time ago, even actually the guy I went and taught underneath at Burroughs, said like, hey, what's the worst thing that can happen if you try? You fail. So then fail again and fail better. 
<laughs> I was like, yeah, okay. That seems like pretty good advice. And it is like, it really is like, I really think, especially nowadays and especially how uncertain everything seems with the pandemic, with the complete devastation of social norms, as it seems over the last few years, mm -hmm. I think the idea of failing is so terrifying to people. And, it, and in reality, you're kind of like, and then, you know, what'll happen? Like you'll fail at something and then the sun's going to rise and you're going to get up and go get another job or not, or, right. you know, you're going to make it work. It's not climbing Mount Everest every time. Sometimes it's just walking up a hill and you just have to put one foot in front of another. And then all of a sudden you look back and you're like, look how far I've come. Like, this is actually impressive. I'm impressed with myself. Right. It is. You deserve credit though. I, what do they say? A bird in a hand, like leaving something, especially when you're in this business where it's so hard to get work. It's difficult to leave. I mean, you were 24. I mean, it took me to 28. I was working in the theater and I was like, yeah, I want to go to LA. I want to go to LA, but I have this job. It's really hard to say, no, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to LA and leaving opportunities that you have is it's difficult. Well, I think there are, there are inflection points, right? Obviously. And we all have them. Some of them happen earlier for us and some of them happen later. And I think the idea is in the best case scenario, and I think you can probably attest to this as well, having the ability to identify them, right? So when you get an opportunity, you say, okay, this is an opportunity. Like, I really want to take advantage of this. And I remember, God, I mean, when I came out here, I auditioned for everything and I got nothing. I was an extra in the pilot of the TV show, The Practice. You know, I was up for... Uh, Deep impact. I didn't get it. John Favreau got it. And it was just one of those things of like coming so close to something and not getting it. It's coming so close to something and not getting it. And that happened over and over and over and over again. And I had success and I had a couple of things that I got and I was kind of climbing up that hill of loose gravel and sliding down and climbing back up and sliding down. Right. But then I remember when Mad Men came around, I was like, oh, this is like an inflection point. This is an actual thing that I could really do and really do well. And I think that I need to identify, like, I, I have to like call it out and I have to be, I have to get this. I just have to. I'm not a big like believer in the secret or, you know, manifesting your destiny or whatever. The, right. But I was very much aware that I really did in a way that I hadn't identified any of these other opportunities or options that I really thought this was right for me, that I was going to be really good in this and it was going to be really important. And so, yeah, that was when I was 35. So like there was 10 years between me coming out here and me getting the thing that identified me to the greater population. It is what it is. And you have to go, well, I have to identify those inflection points when they happen and and then take advantage when they when they present themselves. Yeah. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I understand, or I've heard, that like The Office, Mad Men was specifically looking for unknown actors. Is that right? Did you know that going in? I didn't know that going in because I remember going to quite a few auditions and seeing everybody signing in and recognizing quite a few of the names on the sign-in sheet. Right. And I remember hearing that they had offered it to this person and that person. Mm. Matthew has said, and I believe him, that he, when he met me, knew that I was the right person and then had, I think, had figured that, yes, this would be a much better way for an audience to perceive this show if they did not have 
a celebrity or somebody recognizable in the title role. Like if it was Rob Lowe, just to name a person, right. as Don Draper, it would have been the Rob Lowe show. And that's that's exactly what he didn't want. He wanted it to be this show starring these people. And I think that that delivered. Well, certainly. Not being colored with a specific personality. I mean, it, it allows you to experience the character in a more authentically. Well, and also, you know, it's one of the, it's one of those things like we just don't really have that. I mean, we're starting to have it more. We didn't have it, I should say, back then. We have it a lot more now. When you see a show on Hulu or Netflix or we have so many more of those now because the selection and the choices are limitless at this point. You know, it's not 31 flavors. It's like 31,000 flavors. So you can really dial into your specific palette, if I can extend that metaphor. It's a strange world. And I think Matt and I think Mike and Greg also kind of got it. It was like, we can't have super recognizable people. We can't stunt cast this thing. It's not going to work. And if the the market is amenable to letting people discover this in their own time, and, and we were definitely beneficiaries of that. Yeah. You said you read the role and you knew that it was for you. Why? What was it about the role that you saw synonymous with yourself or knew that you were the perfect person? That's a good question. Um, I, I just, I just felt it. It's like Don was a kind of mysterious person. He was a, a smart person, but not, you know, uh, traditionally, you know, he didn't go to the, all the right schools and the right things. He just kind of was, he kind of knew people. That was Don's superpower was that he knew people, right? He could read people. Right. I said this about my father a lot. Like my dad could talk to anybody and he could listen to them. That's what I mean by talk to them. He wouldn't monologue at them. He would like engage in a conversation with them. And I always felt I had that gift. So that's what I identified with Don was like he was able to, without judgment, talk to kings and paupers in the same breath. And that is a very good quality to have when you're selling people things. Yeah. Was there anything physical, anything physically that you did characteristics of the character? Did you, did you see him in that way at all? I always had a thing with Don that Don's suit, you know, his, his look was a suit of armor. So he put this suit of armor on to go to battle every day. Right. And so when he didn't have that on, which if you watch the show, we realized happened quite a few times, but there was almost like a, a vulnerability that he exhibited when he didn't have it on. And it rarely showed when he had the armor on. And so, and it was part of the hairstyle and everything. Like he would put his drag on to really become this character because that's what he was playing. He was playing a character. He was playing Don Draper. That's... Yeah. People don't know that I knew that, but Matt told me that whole backstory before we shot a, a frame of film. So I knew that this guy was living a double life when we started it. And it was important for me to play that, but not play it, obviously. Physically, that's what I did, consciously. And, uh, and I'm sure there were some subconscious things that bled into it, too. It's, I mean, it's, it's almost encapsulated in... The logo, right? There is such a strength in casualness. That is a horrible way to say it. I can't think of what I'm trying to say, but there's such a passive strength with him. He has so much power 
but is holding back. It's that classic, like the more you yell, the more you scream, the louder you are, you actually don't have power. But when you pull back and I felt like you physicalized that so well, and, and yeah, maybe it is when the suit was on. I, I didn't really think about that before, but that's really interesting. It's, it's very true. Like, you know, it was Matt and I would have conversations about this all the time. And it was kind of like when you're pitching a anything, if you're a writer pitching a project, if you're an ad man pitching a concept, there is a want or a desire to sort of like be a showman and like do the things and do the stuff. And, and sometimes that's warranted and sometimes it's not. And so for Don, I think his, he realized at a certain point, if they've come into the showroom, like, and this goes back to his days as a, a fur salesman when he meets Roger Sterling, if they've come into the showroom, they're ready to buy. You're already halfway there. Your job is to convince them of the other half. And the way he was written and Matt had such a good handle on this guy and writing him this way, but he was very easy about getting you the other 50% of the way there. Come yeah. take my hand. I'm going to walk you all the way across the room. You're going to sit down and you're going to have this thing. And then you're going to say, yes, it was seductive. It was like smart. It was emotional. It was, you know, the people point to the carousel speech as that, but that's, that's what it was. Like it was all of those things. It was, and, and it was effective. And um, I think those are good qualities in a salesman. Not right. so much in a husband or <laughs> other well, things. Right. But that was what I was just about to ask you. What, for you, those moments that there were obstacles for Don where things were more difficult, what was the most difficult aspect of that for you to play? Well, you know, I wouldn't say it was difficult. It's, it was fun. I mean, that's the fun part of acting, right? If it was just Don Draper selling ads and winning all the time, it would be a really boring show. <laughs> right. And so that part of it was the attractive part of it to me. Like my favorite part of the pilot episode is when he comes home and you're like, this guy's got a wife and kids. Like, oh shit. Right. Everything right. I thought of the first 48 minutes of this show is wrong. I just love that reveal and it and i just thought it was really elegant i thought it was really great from a dramatic standpoint and devastating all of the things that you want from from a drama and you're like well that, now i'm ready for episode two i'm ready for episode two through 100 right and we were so fortunate to get a chance to do another 92 episodes of it yeah well it's really interesting your show along with tony soprano and the sopranos and brian cranston and breaking bad that Shows where the lead character was the hero, but had deep flaws and obstacles to overcome. And I think that those three shows specifically are so brilliant and so great because you do find yourself rooting for and against these people. Well, it so right. Yeah, makes them the, compelling. It was the, the era of the quote unquote difficult man. I did not make that phrase up, but I, I think my friend Alan Seppenwall did, but like, it is true. There was this anti-hero kind of sensibility of the early aughts that was very evident. And not only the three you mentioned, I think you could probably point to the wire as well as, as well as a couple other things that was really evident. You know, the difference I think with our show was that unlike the Sopranos and Breaking Bad, like those shows had the benefit of the stakes being life and death. Right. So Tony Soprano was a gangster. He could get whacked any minute. Brian Cranston was a drug dealer. He could get whacked any minute. Cops in the wire and the drug dealers in the wire. Death was lurking around the corner at every minute. Our show was not. <laughs> it was like right. maybe the 
he's going to disappoint his wife again, or maybe it's going to, he's not going to get the big account. So the stakes were much more real and much more human. And I think a lot more identifiable to more people. I don't know what it's like to think, oh, I hope someone's not outside wanting to shoot me. But I do know what it's like to be disappointed at work. And I think that was kind of the the magic that our show actually had, which was making that those stakes high enough to be dramatic. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that Matthew, you know, came from The Sopranos trying to find potentially a more relatable or universal subject of home versus work versus, you know, having that conflict exist that's maybe more universal for people. For sure. Matt had written the script for Mad Men before he got the job on Sopranos. That's in fact, David Chase read the script for Mad Men and said, I want to meet this guy and then hired him on Sopranos. And so if you, if you actually go back and like watch Matt's episodes of the Sopranos, you'll see the, the shared DNA. Yeah. Things about dreams and things about signs and things about what is, what do things really mean and what's the deeper meaning in things. And it's very philosophical and it's really smart and it's really uh, emotional and it's really effective as storytelling. And that's, you know, the Sopranos was David's milieu, right? He grew up in New Jersey. He kind of grew up around these guys. This was his bailiwick. And, you know, Matt grew up in Baltimore and then Beverly Hills and like had a very different life. And so very much understood the overbearing mom and the issues that comes with that from the Sopranos point of view. And then understood kind of the dynamics of marriage and and what comes from that and from our standpoint and understood being a salesman like he was a comedy writer and a, and had to sell shows like he got it so those are the things that you bring to your work if you're a writer those are the things you bring to your work if you're an actor like you bring your experience and you hope it relates or resonates in some way yeah that that's that's what it's all about ultimately is finding your own experience and trying to translate it on a universal stage you do 92 episodes seven eight years much like The Office, you guys, uh, most of the cast is unknown before that point. Do you think that that made it more special for you when it was over or more difficult to say goodbye? I mean, I think I don't care how famous or not famous or known or unknown you are. I think if you spend the better part of a decade with anybody, it's hard to say goodbye. I mean, I think that's that's the end of, of a lifetime for a lot of people, you know, that's the end, certainly the end of a long chapter of a lifetime. I, I, mean, I guarantee you had virtually the same experience that I did, but it's hard to say goodbye to this part, right? Right. You're never going to say goodbye to those people forever. So I still, you know, hear from them, keep up with their, their careers, their lives, their children, their families in some way. It's obviously not in the way that it was, but it's certainly in its own significant way. That's just what it is, you know? It's just too long a time to just ignore. Yeah. I think maybe more specifically what I meant, you know, it's in a situation, I think, where you have people who are established. It, it's never the same as the first time. And it feels like like Mad Men, like The Office, it was sort of the first time, big show, big experience, big success for everybody basically. So that's, that's more what yeah, I meant. I think, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly different than being on 
a movie where you, you know, you're, you're together intensely for two months or whatever it is. And then you're peace out and you're on to the next one right. or it's different. You know, like I, I was on a show on the lifetime network uh, for th- three years and almost 70 episodes of television. And, me and Taraji Henson and Bonnie Bedelia and Tracy Needham and Lisa Vidal and Nancy McKeon. And I still know them, but I'm not like connected with them in any real way. Cause it was like, hey, that was a job. So yeah, it's like, it's certainly a strange thing and a specific thing, but it's also, you're right. I think you're, you're very right in the sense of like, yeah, that first real sense of being successful at something is, is indelible. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zinn.com find. That's zyn.com find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
became so synonymous with Don Draper. Has it been hard for you or have you actively tried to do different work or do you not think about that? Yeah. I mean, I remember the show started in 2000. We shot the pilot in 2004. It was on the air by 2005, 2006, we were picked up. So around 2007, eight, nine, that's when I like hosted SNL and was working on 30 rock was like, that's when I started to get a lot of offers for jobs that were like, Hey, this is a guy who's kind of a brooding guy who smokes a lot of cigarettes and he wears a hat. And like, I was like, yeah, I kind of, I play that guy in my day job. Like right. let's do something different. And that's when I started working a lot more. I had known a lot of the folks in the comedy community for years, but that's when I started working with them and they were inviting me to come play in, in that sandbox. And that's when I did things like bridesmaids and, 30 Rock and SNL and what have you. So it was it was definitely a a decision to pivot off of let's not bang on the same piano key for forever here. Right. I ask because it was always so pleasurable to see you in something totally different. To see you show up in Bridesmaids or 30 Rock or uh you know eventually Kimmy Schmidt and uh, it's it was so fun and it felt like at least it must have been a choice either for yourself just to be, to have fun or, you know, to want to pivot away from that role that defined a network that defined a, a historic show. Yeah. I mean, it was really nice to have um, credibility in both kind of lanes. You know, you're usually asked weirdly enough as actors, you're, and I think now more than ever, you're like, pick a lane, do the one thing that you right. do and just, just do that unless you're, you know, blessed. But I was really grateful that, you know, Lord Michaels, first of all, asked me to host SNL. And then off of that, Tina said, is that guy, any, is that guy funny or is he a, kind of a dud? And I was deemed to be funny and then asked to go play with the cool kids over 30 Rock. And, you know, it, it just came, got to meet Amy Poehler off of that, got to meet Maya Rudolph, got to meet Kristen Wiig, got to meet Jason Sudeikis, got to meet Bill Hader. You know, these people that I ended up working with and doing really fun projects with. And it was like a good feeling. I'll say it. It's awesome. Confess, Fletch, coming up, bringing back Chevy Chase, uh, Fletch from the eighties. Was that scary to you? Or are you just excited? For sure. Are you a big fan of it? Yes. Huge, huge seminal motion picture for me. Me too. Yeah. And Chevy's performance and Chevy's career. He was so specific in his comedy and is remains. And I think is so particularly good in that film. So yes, it was terrifying to actually say, okay, we're going to do it, but not like he did it. I'm not going to, like do a Chevy Chase impression because we already have that version. It's like doing a cover version of a song. Like if you're going to cover the Beatles, you better do it differently than the Beatles. Otherwise it's just going to pale in comparison. So do it differently. And so that's what we set out to do. And we did. It's much more akin to the books, which I was a big fan of. Like I saw the film in 1985 when I was 14 years old. I thought it was the funniest thing I ever saw. And then I realized, oh my God, there's 10 more books. Like, I'm so excited. I get to read all these books. And he goes to Rio and he does this thing and he does, he gets in so many more capers. It's so fun. 
And I was like, oh man, like, I hope they make all these movies. You know, this was in the days of the early Star Wars days when you knew that there were nine more of these, but you had to wait four decades for them to come out. We decided that we were like, okay, look, we're going to do this, but we're going to do it our way. We're going to make it a lot more like the books. And if people like it, we understand that there's a whole two generations of, of people that probably they can rediscover it if they want. And we made a really funny detective movie that obviously shares the same character name and, and the same original source material to the film, but very little else with it. But we're hoping that it's um, fun and funny and we got to make it. I mean, we got to make the movie we wanted to make. And Greg Matola, who I've worked with on several projects, I just love his sensibility and his the way he works. And he co-wrote the script. And I was just like, I want to make 10 more of these. So if you want to keep doing them, you'll be in the next one if you want, Brian. It's like, it's like, yeah. Uh, you know, awesome. like we just get to play in our our fun little sandbox and hopefully they'll let us do more. Oh, I am so excited to see it for sure. I was a big fan and obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, so I can't wait to see your take on it. When is it, when, when is it out there? We don't know. Uh, okay. We're, it's, it's an independent film, believe it or not. Like we made it like an indie and oh. you know, we have to find distribution and all that stuff, which we're on track to do, but we just haven't done it yet. So we'll see. We'll see okay. that the good news is there's an awful lot of, uh, places that, that distribute movies now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, Top Gun. Um, yeah. Well, Top Gun, however, it will be in theaters. <laughs> I think that'll be everywhere. Right. Was that fun to do? Yes. I mean, that's, that's two kind of iconic movies that you're, you're got a hand in here right back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Two big eighties franchises that I've got to do, like would tell people, like if I could tell my 14 year old self that I was going to be in <laughs> a Fletch movie and a Top Gun movie my 14 year old self's head would have fallen off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot of like high school friends and people from my youth that are like, so jazzed for Top Gun. It's hard for me to even process it, but yeah, that'll be in, in theaters, uh, Memorial day weekend, May 27th, whenever that is worldwide, you'll be able to find it on a screen somewhere near you. It's an excellent film. I'm very proud of it. I was very pleased to work with Tom. Very, very pleased to be asked to be, a part of that franchise universe world, however you want to say it, like walking around a set that has American flags and fighter jets and aircraft carriers. And I was like, are you kidding me? Uh, You know, happy, happy to be here. You're in. Awesome. All right. Last question. I've got to ask you when you are named as you normally are to some sexiest man alive list. How does that make you feel? Like proud? Are you well, like- if you can put the video aspect of this call on uh, the air, you'll know that that's a very subjective term. Uh, maybe it's the light or the angle, but I've been looking at myself for the better part of the last hour, and I don't think I'm on any of those lists. <laughs> um, sure. Obviously, it's nice for people to say nice things about you. I think it all comes with a pretty healthy grain of salt, and I think it's You know, for what it's worth, I do too. I think it's just you take that with a grain of salt, John, till I make it <laughs> on the list. It means nothing. Let me just. Well, look, I, having gone through to bring it all back home, having gone through your underwear drawer, I realize that you're on my list. Oh, perfect. John, thank you so much. You know what a huge fan I am of yours and basically everything you do. There might have been that one thing back in the 
late 90s. The division, like, you can say it. Yeah, I didn't like that at all. But thank you so much for, <laughs> for taking the time and talking to me. It's my pleasure, Brian. It's always uh, nice to, to talk to you and uh, my best to you and yours. And we'll talk at a later date. Thanks, John. Well, you heard it here first, everybody. John Hamm thinks I am the sexiest man alive. But at least I already knew that. John, thank you for stopping by. It is always a pleasure, my friend. And thank you. Yes, you out there listening for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And why don't you go give us a follow on Instagram at Off The Beat. I'll be seeing you next week with another incredible guest. This time, I will be talking to a person who is both a talented actress and a classically trained ballerina. I wonder who that could be. But until then, go out there and have a fan-freaking-tastic week. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our producers are Diego Tapia, Liz Hayes, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Our talent producer is Ryan Papa Zachary. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by my great friend, Creed Bratton, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.